Hello and welcome to the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. My name is Joss Golden and I'm so happy that you're here. In this podcast series, I interview people who are passionate about parenting. We talk about many things to do with parenting and motherhood and explore the joys and challenges that we all face in our families. The aim of the podcast is to share more about aware parenting, to inspire us all on our parenting adventures, and to support us all to raise our children with more awareness, connection, and love. <laughs> I forgot what I was doing. <laughs> so like just a summary of us today. <laughs> oh dear, I might just leave that in. <laughs> yeah, it's good for a little giggle at the start. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. Today, I'm having another beautiful conversation with Danny Willow. Danny, thanks so much for making time to come back and have another chat with us. Mm, thank you for having me here. I can feel like it's going to be a bit giggly today, so yeah. it's nice. <laughs> We're kind of both in that mood, which is, you know, it's good. It yeah. brings a bit of lightness. We we often do really deep and like meaningful podcasts. Not that this one won't be, but yes. it's nice to also bring a bit of lightness to it as well. Yes, yeah. Laughter is is healing, isn't it? It is. <laughs> yes. So today, as you can see from the title, we're talking all about partners. We did do another episode before where we talked a bit about partnering raising children together with somebody else. But this one is going to be another dive into that because this is something that comes up again and again and again in, in sessions, like basically every session. And mm -hmm. for us too, in navigating, doing this aware parenting thing with somebody else. And it's it's hard. It's really stressful and it's difficult. So yeah, it's inevitable that there's going to be issues with it. So maybe we could just start with that and talking about you know, why it can be really hard to be yeah in partnership with somebody else and how our relationships change when we have children. What was that process like for you? Well, I'm thinking of that quote that says that, and I, I hear a lot of this in circle, like, you know, when when mothers come and they share and it's like their partners are not on board with it or they're finding it really difficult or they're not treating their children the way they want to. And we have it in you know our community that we run and definitely in sessions. But I always start with that quote, which says, men think that women will never change like men will assume that women will never change and women think that men will always change and so we we're coming at it from like you know not a great starting place because we both think the opposite of each other and I think you know as we now know like matrescence and when we birth a baby everything changes for us on you know that biological sense instinctually that nurturing we want to be you know we want to talk to other mothers and we want to hear their experiences because we don't really have a rite of passage we've lost that community of living where we have those elders around us and we don't often see childbirth happening all the time so we're not seeing it every single day so of course we start going and reaching out and looking for other ways and you know potentially if our own childhood wasn't that wonderful we'll often try and do something really different and I think because we naturally from the moment we can see we're becoming a mother and I think men really become fathers from the moment the baby's born they're not really like not all, this is a massive generalization. Everything I'm going to say is a generalization. There's always going to be some on either side that are, you know, outside of this norm. But really, I think that once the baby arrives, for them, it be really becomes a reality. And then the truth is that, that, you know, if we're breastfeeding, they feel a bit of like, oh, what, where's my role in this? And it can take a bit of time for them to really sort of land. Not all men, but some. Yeah. And so I think that from the moment the baby's born, we are so deeply immersed in it and we go to mother's groups and we go see the health nurses if that's what we choose to do and we're, we're, you know, we're trying to research and we're learning and we're asking questions. We might read books, we might listen to podcasts. We're naturally very deeply in it and I think that, you know, often men have to go back to work like the dads have to go back to work and they're not going to like father's groups, you know, some are but not many and so they're not deeply immersed in it and then that's often where we can start to see a little bit of a shift in what we thought the reality of it was going to be and what we thought it was going to look like and what we thought we were going to do. And maybe that looks really different now, such as maybe we thought the baby was going to go into its room and now it's in the bed or, you know, in our house, you know, a little bit, I guess where I kind of land with it was 
I was sleeping with Marley in a separate room. I had no intention of that happening. And I think, you know, Clint isn't a great sleeper. So that meant that we were in separate rooms and we've been in separate rooms for a really long time and finding other ways to connect. And so I think that a lot of what we thought was going to happen when this baby came wasn't really the reality. And we really had to navigate that through. And it was difficult. There were lots of really hard conversations. He really wanted to sleep train and he was like, we all need sleep. And I really just couldn't do that. And so there were lots of really difficult difficult conversations because I really was coming from a place of having quite a traumatic childhood and really wanting to not create any trauma for her and be deeply, deeply, deeply attached. I wonder if that's sort of similar for you as well, Joss, which we kind of have shared before, but not from this element of the partner perspective. Yeah, I really, yeah, really resonated with everything that you were saying there because I think it is so often the case that giving birth is an incredibly transformative and powerful experience for mothers. And it invites us to go on a journey, which sounds really cliched, but it really does. It kind of breaks us open in a whole new way. And it brings in this love and this tenderness with our child that is profound and it's really difficult for partners to be on the side of that, to be alongside that, and for you to refine how you're going to connect with them in this new way, with all of these big changes in who you are and, and what you're spending all your time doing. And like you were saying, a lot of us, particularly when we go into aware parenting and we start to explore this and we start to see all the invitations that are there for us to be doing our work and to be healing our parts and to be acknowledging the impact of our childhood on who we are as parents. And if our partners aren't also doing that work with us, aren't also reading those books with us and learning all that stuff with us, it can feel like a, a real another disconnect between us and our partners. And I think there was some truth in that. And I remember thinking, oh, nothing's going to change. We'll just have our little baby in bed with us and it'll be exactly the same as it always was. And of course, everything changes. <laughs> so it can be so, so hard. Mm -hmm. And I think often just being aware and mindful and having spaces to take our feelings about whatever's going on with our partners and having spaces to connect with our partner and to talk through and to, to be willing to listen to their feelings in the same way as we're willing to listen to our children can be really, really helpful because there are going to be lots of big feelings for everybody in the family. And yeah, as we start to welcome feelings, we see just how intense those feelings are sometimes. And there are also parts, I think, as well around when we're breastfeeding in those early days and we're doing a lot of holding of our children and having them really close. That changes our experience of, of being touched and being close to somebody else. And, you know, there were definitely times when I felt like I just didn't want to have anyone <laughs> close to me. I had nothing left to give to anybody else. And there were definitely times when I also felt that my needs for love and connection and tenderness were being so well met by my child that I didn't really need that. And yet my partner, although he had a beautiful relationship and did lots of holding and cuddling and you know all of that stuff, it wasn't the same in in the way that it was fulfilling my needs. So mm -hmm. it it's it's a tricky tricky time right at the beginning of the parenting journey to be to be working out how you can rebuild your relationship or recreate your relationship and your with this new being in your life and all of the changes that it brings. I mean there's so with so much wisdom in everything that you just shared there you know, speaking to the touch, you know, being touched out, like that feeling of just if we're co-sleeping and we're breastfeeding and we're baby wearing and we're, you know, we're doing all of these things that make it really difficult to want to connect and be touched with our partners later, you know, when we get into bed, it's like we just want to sleep. And I think, you know, as I was listening to you speak, I'm like, of course it comes back to 
we don't have a village. You know, if we had a village of people around us with multiple people baby wearing and and holding and nurturing the mother and cooking food for her and like, you know, doing all those things, then we'd have more capacity to be able to connect in with our partners potentially. But I think what often what you're speaking to is so true in that, you know, a a lot of people, what I hear and, and also what I felt particularly was I really didn't want to listen to Clint's feelings. I really wasn't interested in having any conversations with him at that point because it was just like survival. That first year is really just about particularly as a first-time mom, like how am I going to keep this baby alive? How am I going to nurture it? How am I going to love it? What am I What am I doing, right? I'm really trying to navigate, like you said, like going on this journey, like navigate how am I going to show up for them and that there's not a lot of, you know, space left over to really have any sort of conversation outside of that with our partners. And it gets tricky when, you know, when we've both had different childhood experiences, when we've both had different types of parents, when we've both had very different upbringings in some ways and, you know, one one party wanting one thing, you know, so much. And, and I think, you know, for us, because we didn't know about aware parenting the first time, you know, sleep is a really big controversial topic. And, you know, he kept saying, I think we should sleep train. And I kept saying no. And I was up all night and I would wake him and be like, I can't do it anymore. And, it, you know, and it, we were just fighting. We just weren't in a very healthy space because one of us was up, you know, rocking and patting and holding this baby. You know, she was 10 months, 11 months. She wasn't a baby anymore. She was moving out of that. And it was like, you know, what, what are we doing? And I remember at 12 months, he he paid to have someone come and they did one night of, of sleep training and it was meant to be gentle. So he's like, you know, I've researched and it's this gentle person. And I was thinking, okay, you know, I mean, I was anxious. I wasn't really that strong in myself to say no, but I let him do it. And basically, you know, she like zipped her up and said, it's, you know, it's six o'clock, it's time to put her into bed and whatever, and, you know, finish feeding her and that's it for the night. And she screamed the whole night, like the whole night till 2 a.m. And I lay in bed and I cried and I said to him, this doesn't feel right. And, you know, anyway, the next morning she left at 6 a.m. And as soon as she, this lady left, I ran into the room and I picked her up and I said, I will never do that again. And I said to him, I'm just, I'm not willing to do that. I cannot, I will be up with her all night but I cannot let her cry like that. It just felt so, you know, obviously not, I'm, this is not aware parenting. I was a full attachment parent and very traumatized by my own childhood of being left to cry multiple times over multiple years. So, you know, and, and he had to kind of sit there and go, well, okay. And he had to email the woman and say, look, we, you know, we're not going to do it. And that's that. And I sent him all this research, all these articles about how it's like, it's damaging and it's this and it's that. And, you know, and then, and then he kind of, surrendered to that you know it kind of was what it was and we just accepted that she wasn't going to sleep and that was it you know and and I think over the years I think a lot of what happens in parenting comes from the mother it comes from the mother's intuition intuition it comes from her research it comes from us going into these places where we feel so deeply about things that we sort of drive it and what tends to happen is the dad's just kind of or the partner or the, you know, the co-parent if we're not in a relationship together anymore. But they sort of just come al- come along, right? Like they just sort of follow with us. And I think there was a point maybe when Kiki was born when I kind of said to him, like, I chose you and I want us to do this together and I need you to come on the journey, like you mentioned just right at the start. Like this is a journey and I need you to come on it with me because otherwise we're going in opposite directions. Like I'm here doing all of this work and really looking at my stuff and you're over here not willing to look at your stuff. And that's, it's a tricky conversation to have. And it was done with, you know, gentleness and compassion and, you know, but I still feel like a lot of mums are really driving this need for it to be different. And, And it's really tricky because it feels like we're almost having to aware parent the partner and really, you know, sit with them and listen to their feelings about why they don't want to do it or why they do want to do it and what's there for them. And it's not normalized to just go out and have these conversations and go to father circles and get a listening partner and share voice notes to each other. It's still really, really for them, it's there's many, many layers there. So it's it's very, very tricky still, I think, for them to come completely on board with us when we say we we want you on the journey. Yeah, it is. Thanks for saying that, Danny. I think it's really true. 
And it's such a stressful time, isn't it? Because for our partners, it's it's really stressful. And, you know, they have all the responsibility often to be the one going out and to be earning the money and and fulfilling that role in the family and the sleep deprivation and the impact of that on, on everybody in the family of not getting enough sleep. And so, you know, when our needs are chronically unmet in that way, plus we have this backlog of emotions that we're slowly becoming aware of that we never even really knew were there. I mean, I had no idea that the impact of my childhood was going to come up again and again and again in parenting. I just had no idea that that was going to happen. I was like, oh, I've done lots of therapy. I'll be good. I know what I'm doing. I've read the continuum concept. We'll just cuddle and it'll all be lovely. And so, you know, all of that is really stressful. And just the responsibility of having a being who is utterly dependent on you and for most of us, it's the first time, might even be the first time we've ever held a baby, let alone had one come home that we have to look after and, and know what to do with. And there might be issues with breastfeeding or, you know, there's so many things that make it stressful and difficult. And so when we are stressed and overwhelmed by things, and when we are having big feelings coming up in response to that stress and big feelings coming up in response to the past and the younger parts of us that are being touched, it's a sort of perfect storm, really, to be having lots of conflict, arguments and disagreement and and difficult stuff happening with our partners, plus all this change in the actual quality of the connection between you. So it's inevitable that it's going to be difficult. And it's really, it's not surprising that so many couples end up separating in the early days of parenthood, because it is a very, very stressful time. And like you say, most mothers don't have the capacity to be able to really be listening to feelings. And, and I love what you identified there. Like if, if partners had spaces to go and share what was coming up for them and to explore what they were feeling and to talk about what their unmet needs were and to focus on what, what they needed in order to be meeting some of those needs, it would be a really, really different experience. And I'm hopeful that that is coming. And I know that there are lots of beautiful, amazing fathers, particularly who are doing groups, but you know, whatever your family looks like, groups for the person who is the other parent of the child. And that will be really, really helpful for families. But in the meantime, often that's not the case. And so mothers are finding themselves like empowered in a whole new way and really keen to learn lots more about how to do things differently and standing really strong in how they want things to be. And sometimes that's the first time in a relationship that the mother has has found her, her solid strength and power and her complete unwillingness for things not to be that way. I mean, I was just like, I'm, this is what we're doing. This is, there's, there's no, there's no negotiation. Fortunately, my partner was wanting to do like attachment parenting, but that if he hadn't been, there, there would have just been no way to navigate that as a couple, because I was so clear that we were going to be co-sleeping and we were going to be long-term breastfeeding and I was going to be wearing him and it was going to be, yeah, that's how it was going to be. So it's very, very hard, isn't it? It is. I'm just thinking about so many different things as you're talking. I think most people who come to Aware Parenting, the partners are kind of on board. Like they might not be on board with all of it, but they might be on the attachment part. I mean, I mean, there's, I've done some beautiful sessions with partners, you know, mm -hmm. couples where the dads are listening to feelings and it's beautiful, right? Like I'm just like, how amazing. The baby's like three months old and it's getting all this listening from the dad and I'm like, it's amazing. Like that, there is a lot of amazing men out there and same couples, right? Like, you know, we're talking about partners in general. Like there, there's amazing things happening in lots of different relationships. I think something that you shared that, you know, it sort of touched on for me was Part of me was really, I was pretty assertive in the way that I wanted to parent, but I guess when I found Aware Parenting and it cracked everything open for me, like you said, I didn't realize so much of my childhood was the reason why so many of the things were happening the way they were happening and the feelings that I was having and the suppression that I'd done with both, you know, with mainly Marley at this point, but also needing to listen to Kiki and Marley and, and not really having the space for him. But there was a part of me that was a bit scared that if I showed up in the fullness of who I was, he wouldn't love me because that was such a big story in my childhood around like if I did show up, I wasn't received in love unconditionally. It was very conditional. And so what often happened is 
men generally need physical touch and intimacy to feel love. And women, when as we sort of talked about before, have this real touched out experience of like, I don't need that and I don't want that because I'm with kids all day. And particularly when we add in another one, you know, you've got your little baby and then you've got your toddler and you're all day, you're breastfeeding and you're baby wearing and it's busy and you're playing and you're tired and you're crying and you're healing. And then it gets to the end of the night and they want to be intimate or they want to connect. And there's this unwillingness because we're feeling in a particular way. And I remember having a session with Layla around this because I was like, I'm scared to actually be like, actually, no, I don't want to do that because I'm so scared that if I do, he won't love me anymore. And this has come up a lot with a lot of women in circle, particularly like around honoring our no and honoring what we are and not willing for just in terms of even the parenting, honoring when, you know, when it doesn't feel good, like when they're doing something that doesn't feel good and how to approach them around that. Like these are all really big things, which to be honest, none, not no one, but in general, most people didn't see this role modeled in their parents' marriage. So I think about my parents, it was volatile. It was aggressive. There was anger. There was a, a, you know, physical abuse. It was like, it was not healthy by any means. And so I didn't have it role modeled on how to even show up in these ways. So, you know, if I needed to cry, I would often go into another room and hide from Clint so that I could have a really big cry. And he would come in and be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, don't, you know, don't look at me, I'm crying. And so, you know, I had to learn that the safety that he would hold me through that. And then these things around saying no and like saying to him, I am actually scared that you won't love me if I don't do what you're asking me to do. And like for him, that was huge to be able to go, I love you unconditionally. It's got nothing to do with that. Like we can just lie in bed and talk together. Like we can just be in the same space. I just, I want to be able to talk about these things. And that was huge for our relationship as well and honoring myself in that. So I think, you know, it's like all these layers that we have as a relationship, which really get uncovered when we become parents, because it really pushes us to the absolute depths of who we are and invites us to really step into our power. And I suppose it's tricky when maybe our partners are not really willing to step into their power and we are. But if they are, there is magic that happens because it deepens the relationship so much when we can talk about these things, when we can be vulnerable with each other. And it doesn't mean we have to do it all the time, but if we can come together and have these vulnerable conversations once a week, once a fortnight, you know, whenever we're feeling it, there's absolute beauty and power in that, that things can really shift for you as a couple. Or as even two people who are parenting but are not together, to be able to come and discuss these sort of things around how do we want to parent, what do we want it to look like, how do we want our children to remember this time together, I think there's some real value in being vulnerable and talking about it, which is tricky because we're often taught not to be vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really powerful what you were saying there about how because we weren't raised this way, We've never really felt safe in being showing up and being authentically who we are with all of the big feelings that we might be having. And because we're exhausted and overwhelmed and stressed, our big feelings are going to be coming out. So yeah, learning that it's safe to be doing that with a partner can be a really, really profound thing. Or seeing that it's not safe to do that with a partner can also be a really powerful moment in in what happens next in your relationship. So yeah, I think that's really important. And I love what you're saying there about visioning too, because I think that's so important to try to come together with the other parent of your child, whatever the relationship is between you, and try to have conversations multiple times and over and over again about what you want for your children what you want your family to look like again you know whether that is you together or whether that's you separated or whether you're a blended family or whatever but still making time to come together and have these these conscious conversations about what you want for your family and what you want your children to feel about themselves and that can be a really powerful way to support partners to come on board too because they realize that actually, you know, uh, I want my child to feel close to me and I want my child to feel safe and I want my child to know that I love them and I want to have a really close connected relationship and I want them as teens to always come and share with me when they're having big things going on. And 
These are the common things that everybody really wants to have with their children. And so these conversations can be a beautiful way to get clear and to support everyone in the family, whatever the family looks like, to be increasingly coming to, towards the same page. And another thing I always say to parents too, particularly when I'm having sessions with mothers on their own, is that aware parenting is so immensely powerful that even if it's just one of you doing it, it's still deeply significant for our children in terms of who they become as adults and what they believe about themselves and what they what they learn and what they experience of, of unconditional love and healing and all of those kind of things. So that can be really reassuring too, because often when we discover this, we really want it to be perfect. We want everybody to be responding to the, our children in the way that we see as most healthy. And it can be very confronting when we see other people responding to our children in a way that we really don't enjoy or that we can see to be harmful. So sometimes that reassurance can be can be a beautiful thing that it's okay even if it's just the one of us. Of course it's better when it's both, but it can be it can be really powerful when it's just one. I love what you've just said and that's just reminded me of something so important like the role modeling, right? Like often we I know we've talked about this a lot and lots of parents have come to us and we've I know we've talked about it in maybe in another podcast and definitely in the community, but it's just like, you know, how do I get them on board? They don't want to read the articles. They don't want to listen to the podcast. They're not interested in having a listening partner. And I think in the beginning, you know, Clint was like that. Like I asked him, I said, will you read the book and will you listen to the podcast and will you do X, Y, and Z? And he was just like, no. I mean, we'd already we'd already had Marley and now we had Kiki. He's like, we're already parents. What do we need to know from this Aletha Salter? Like it's ridiculous. And, you know, and I, I kind of was a bit frustrated with it because I was like, it was amazing. I was really understanding it so deeply and, and, and really embodying it, starting to learn and embody and practice it in my home. But, um, and I think I've spoken about it on another episode with you around doing our inner work, but, you know, there was, there were multiple experiences that I had where Clint witnessed me doing specific things with the girls, such as doing attachment play, and then they would be willing to brush their, to brush their teeth or get dressed in, in the morning. Or there was that very specific one that I share around hair brushing, where he, we went through this big process over 45 minutes and listened to lots of feelings. And then, you know, coming out the other side and him being like, that was amazing. And so, I think there's a lot of beauty in letting, you know, often like we enforce and push things on them because we're like, this is amazing and you should be doing it. And then they kind of get a knee jerk, like, I don't want to be doing that. But what could it look like if we just kind of let them witness us and see how we are doing and what we're doing and how beautiful it is. And then from that, they get to see it and go, oh, I actually can see now what's happening. And when they go back to being deeply connected to us and then we say, put your shoes on and they go, yes, mom. And they just walk over and put their shoes on. And then they're like, you know, your partner's sort of standing there going, wow, like that just took one game. And you're like, yeah, it's just a bit of play, right? And so then naturally they kind of start to pick up the language that we're using. I'm not willing for you to do that. You might hear them start saying, I'm not willing for you to do that. Or, you know, there might be a specific game. I noticed whenever I played specific games with the girls, I would slowly just start to see him play those specific games. And, you know, and then the listening to feelings came within time. He found it really hard when they were babies to listen because he wasn't listened to as a baby. But even recently when we caught up with you in Western Australia, he shared in front of us and he said, you probably won't think it's a big deal, but I, the other day in the car and I listened to Marley and I just, my inner voice was telling me, you know, just tell her to stop crying. But but I knew that she just needed to have this release. And so I let her have the release and then she was amazing all afternoon. And, you know, you and I were like saying, no, that's amazing and like celebrating him. But, you know, it, it comes in time. It, they're, they, we have to trust that they're also on their journey with it and it brings up stuff for them. And they don't, again, they don't have those spaces that we do to always come and share and feel. And so, it takes a bit more time for them to process, to understand, to learn, to practice. But I think when we bring in that trust piece, like we do with our children, they do eventually come along. It's just not at the same pace as us. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And that was such a beautiful moment when we caught up. We, I mean, it was so lovely catching up. And that was awesome. But that moment when when Clint was sharing that, it was really beautiful, wasn't it? And I think it's it's so powerful. I've seen it many, many times when we model this 
and we're doing this to the best of our ability, the other parent of our child is going to be witnessing that. And that is going to be making changes in their understanding and, you know, however long that process takes for them, but it does make a big difference. And so it's often really helpful to move in at times when you can sense that there's some conflict or some some challenge happening between the other parent and our children and, and to move in in those moments and perhaps be inviting some play and, you know, being silly. And I, I used to laugh with my son, Sol, particularly when he was about to leave home. I was like, oh, no, you can't leave me with these two because Kamal and Jada had this period where they were like, they were like the little toddlers, <laughs> the two of them. And so, yeah, it can be really helpful to move in in those moments with some play and to be silly and to shift up the vibe that way. Or it can also be really helpful to bring our awareness and our understanding that we have in aware parenting of what's actually going on when we can see the other parent of our children moving into harshness and power over our children, for example. And we can see that their nervous system is being pushed into that hyper-aroused state. And so they've got that adrenaline and that cortisol cascading around their body. And so it's just like when we look at our three-year-old and he wants to, you know, smack his younger brother. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on in our partners too. And so when we can bring this understanding and apply it to everybody in the family, it makes it easier not only to be compassionate and to be able to to be less likely to be going into blame and judgment of them or making them wrong, which of course nobody ever responds well to. And I, I did that a lot with my partner and I wish I could go back and do that differently now because that's really not a, not a helpful way to respond. So it helps us to really understand why they're behaving in the way that they are in just exactly the same way as our children are. And so then we can also then have conversations with them outside of those moments where we say, I noticed today you this happened in response to their behavior and you obviously had you know, lots of big feelings going on for you and uh, what was going on? What were you feeling? What was happening? And and helping them to understand, yeah, I could really see that your body was literally, you'd gone into that like real hyper arousal mode. And of course, you know, so often that those parts of us get touched again. And this is, so it's a really beautiful opportunity to support their understanding of it when, when we can see them that way and also to be compassionate and of course, just to add to that, that if, if we are in situations where our children are in, in danger or we think that they're going to be hurt or something uh, as a result of big feelings that our partner has in the moment, then of course, our primary concern there is not to be moving in with play or to be compassionately understanding our partner. It's to be protecting our children. And so that, that sometimes happens in, in families. And I love how Aletha really explains the and normalizes conflict for all of us in our families at times when we're all stressed and we all behave in ways that are not what we really want to be doing to our children. And, and if that is the case, and if that is what you're seeing the other parent of your child doing, then the primary thing in that moment is to take your children away and to tend to them. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think if there's danger or something is happening in that in that moment and it's really important to just come in and protect and we can heal and repair with our partners later, even with shouting. Like, you know, sometimes if, if they've gone into shouting or doing something that, you know, we're finding really unenjoyable, it can be really lovely to sort of step in in that moment and maybe say, hey, I can see that things are heating up. Look, I think one of the things I wanted to say around this as I was listening to you speak was, I think what's really important is actually asking them, like, what do you want me to do in these moments where I notice that you get really activated? Like, you know, I, I don't, it might not feel good for us to step in and go, hey, I can see that you're feeling a bit like this because that might feel like we're undermining them. And then that can get into an argument in the moment. They're like, you're undermining me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, there are times where that is happen or or they go into shame and then they just sort of retreat backwards and feel like they're failing and you know often men men will say like dads will say I feel like I'm not I'm I don't know how to do it right because we kind of know what we're doing and we're practicing it all the time and they're not around as much right or you know they're, they're trying their best or they've got lots of layers that they need to explore so I think the important thing is to have these conscious conversations once a week every night would be great or once a day would be great, but at some stage or every second day or once a fortnight, but to come together and actually have a conversation about what's happening for both of you, 
how's it feeling, how, you know, how's work doing, what's happening with the kids, just like a check-in to kind of see how we're doing, where are we at, how's everyone feeling. And there we can bring up some, you know, I noticed that, you know, oh, this was going on the other day. Like I noticed you got activated about this. Maybe in the moment's never a good time to bring up things I found. Like it just creates more activation to kind of let things settle. And then as you mentioned, just that night or the next day, or when we do this checkup to sort of say, hey, I noticed this happened. What's going on for you? Or if we, you know, I mean, there was one night Clint was putting Molly to bed and I, I could just hear like what he was doing was just making her actually genuinely really upset and it wasn't a release. And so we kind of got into bed that night and I said, so how did you think that went? And, you know, and he's like, oh, I don't know. Like I just knew she needed to have the release. And I was like, yeah, she did. But we have to be respectful. Like if she doesn't want to release, that's okay. And so we had a beautiful conversation about that. So I think it is a little bit about finding respectful ways because they're learning as well, just as we are. We're not like the proficient teacher in it. It's like, we're also practicing it. We don't always get it right. We also make mistakes. So allowing them to kind of find their way with it, but to do it in a way that feels really good for both of us. And so, you know, in those moments where maybe they are shouting or going into a power over or something, you know, maybe we have a word, you know, like a special word, like hot dog. And then we stop that, you know, that allows the other person to tap out. You know, when we, when that partner comes home from work and we reconnect for the day, maybe it's sort of saying like, how are you going? How are you feeling? And, and how much capacity do we both have? Like maybe they've had a really hard day at work and maybe they have their need of like I need to go and have a shower and then I'm willing to be with the kids and so it's like you know often that when the mother's been at home all day with the kids it's like we just expect them to come in and kind of take over and to be all in and you know so that transition period like I know there was a point where I said to Clint like I'd really love you to write your reports in the car on your way home or sit outside in the driveway because once you're in I really want you to be in because he was coming in and then the kids are like you know wanted to play with him and then he's like oh no I need to go sit in the office now and write reports and I'm like so can we just shift that so it's like having these beautiful discussions where we can kind of have conversations about how we can get our needs met so that everyone's needs are met and it feels really good and the only way we're going to do that is by kind of asking them you know what do you want it to look like how do you want me to support you in those moments and what do we want in those moments where we're activated and we're feeling overwhelmed what can they do to support us in those moments and talking and identifying about what our, you know, activations or our triggers are and how they feel in our bodies and what we can do to support each other. And I think when we do that, it, it naturally aligns us into this place of like we're both working from the same place. We're both on the journey together instead of, you know, I'm over here and I'm sort of seeing you do all your things and they're not very good and they're not very aware parenting-y but, and, and maybe shaming them in front of the, the kids, which, you know, is not healthy either. Yeah, absolutely. I really love that. And I love the practicalness of some of the things that you were sharing there, because sometimes that is what it is, like just shifting things up in order to find ways so that everybody's needs can actually get met or as met as it's possible to have those needs met in the way that we're living at the moment. Yeah. And I love that the deliberateness of those conscious conversations where you come together and you you talk about these things and you support each other because, you know, there's plenty of times when I've got really activated by the children too. And what I noticed in our family, I don't know if it's the same with you, but when, when my partner got angry with the children, I always went to the children and supported them. But when I got angry with the children, my partner would support me. <laughs> and so, you know, having those conversations was really helpful to say, look, when I'm getting really activated, this is what I would really help me. Are you able to do that? That's a really awesome. And, and for them too, you know, finding ways to support them that that's actually going to be helpful and not going to add fire to the fire that's there. That can be really supportive. And I think it's also, there's a real power in letting go of the idea that our family has to be harmonious and beautiful all the time in order for us to be aware parenting and really, you know, not going into that tendency to be comparing ourselves with other couples or other families or other blended families or other separated, you know, just to be accepting that there are times, of course, where it's really stressful and bumpy and, and it can get messy and, and difficult. And that is, that's normal for all of us. And I think, you know, when we go into that comparison or judgment of our relationship or our family, that just makes it even harder to support anybody. So, you know, 
trying to get listening for ourselves when we're going into that or doing some journaling when we're starting to do that can be really, really helpful so that we're less inclined to be telling ourselves things that are unhelpful in relation to our partner. And to really be trusting that this capacity that we all have for for healing and to create more harmony is really, it's just a process, isn't it? It's just a, a process of of learning. And I loved what you were saying too about taking turns around capacity and, and really checking in. Have you got capacity now to listen or is it my turn? You know, how, and, and so really giving our partners and ourselves permission to be like, I haven't got it in me now. How about you? And yeah, to to share the load in that way and to be just keeping on and on and on practicing this responding with compassion and empathy. And when we practice doing it for our children, we learn to practice doing it for ourselves. And as we practice doing it for ourselves, we can start to practice doing it for our partners. And, and it just, it gets easier. It gets easier and easier the more of it that we're doing, but it is a, a gradual process and learning to offer compassion to the inner children that we see in our partners or our co-parent can also be a really profound moment. And we often need a lot of listening to get to that point, don't we? Where we get to share all the big feelings we have about them and how they're behaving. And then at the end of that process, we can often come back and be really clearly seeing their inner child that's coming up to the surface in them and, and seeing them as this beautiful little boy or girl who was, you know, in pain and struggling and suffering and having a hard time. And, and that can bring this real quality of real love and connection or or understanding and a willingness to work together with the other parents of our children. So much beauty in everything that you've just shared there. So much. And you know, there was just a few things that I was thinking, you know, I love this idea of you know, this respectful conversation that we're sort of talking about and and seeing them in who they are, that age, like you spoke to, of just that's, you know, that they're five years old at the moment and they're having that response or they can't listen to feelings. And I think sometimes, you know, in relationships work, we're quick to focus on the negative. Like we're really quick to look at, just like we are as as mothers, often in a way parenting, to look at all the things we're not doing. Oh, we're not listening properly. Oh, I didn't play today. Like we're quite we're quite harsh on ourselves. And I think that's a lot to do with the society we live in and the way that we're sort of taught to analyze ourselves and to look at all the things we're not doing. But sometimes it's nice to flip that and go, actually, what am I doing? And actually, what are they doing? And often they're doing some amazing things. So, you know, if I look at that in my own relationship, like, there's so many things that I really don't enjoy that Clint does. And so they receive these other things from him than they don't from me. And he's amazing at playing and being really silly. And that doesn't come as easily for me, you know? And so there are times where I don't feel like playing, but he'll play with them. Um, and that's, you know, that trusting that they're receiving something from them. I think there needs to be this trust of like, there's something that they're getting from those from their, from our, the partner, from this other person, from this other parent. And it might not be what we feel it should be, but they are receiving something because I have this very deep belief that, you know, when we conceive a child, you know, the baby chooses the parent. Like they know on a soul level, which is not aware parenting, but they know on a soul level what what is coming. And so I deeply trust that they're receiving what they need to from both parties from both parents. I think that's a really beautiful thing. And I think, you know, what else can be really useful is if you've tried all these things, like you've done lots of compassionate listening and, you know, you're trying to set up conscious conversations and they're still kind of not willing to move. Sometimes going to see a, a couple's therapist can be really, really good. Like to have someone sit in the middle and to listen to both of you and to find some, you know, common ground. And, and if you can, trying to find someone who sort of understands this way of parenting as well or, you know, some sort of attachment style so they have the understanding and the uh, basis around why we're doing what we're doing can be really useful. I know lots of couples that have found that to be amazing to give them and to support their partners in to actually voice what's happening for them because remembering that, you know, if they weren't heard by their own mothers, then we've got partners that are really deeply suppressed and they're not able to share with us. Like maybe it's not safe. Maybe we need this third party. So looking for ways to really support them as well and support the relationship, nourish the relationship. I think having 
time away together if we can, you know, once a week, even if it's just an hour to go for a walk and hold hands without children on us or to read a book together or to go and see a movie, to do a date night. I mean, to relearn who we are together as a couple. What are our interests? What do we enjoy? You know, they're all really important things. Like, you know, we often get caught into raising the babies and the children and it's deep, amazing, beautiful work. But we also have to give time to the relationship. It's its own baby in in a way that needs nurturing and love. And so, you know, if we don't have support, can we, you know, my one friend tells me that when she lies with her little boy to sleep and then she comes downstairs and her partner surprises her and he puts up, they've got like a projector and he puts up lights and he puts on a movie and like sets up like a tea and like they lie together after their little boy's asleep and they have like this movie night together and they don't have to go out and they're not spending any money and they don't have to ask for someone to come over, but they get to just embrace this time together. And it feels special because he set it up for her. So, you know, can we do things like that where it's like, it's like we're on a date night, but we're not out of the house, like making this commitment to, to each other essentially, because it is a journey where it's a partnership and it takes a lot of practice and showing up and offering over and over again a bit like we do with our children so I just wanted to add I think those few little things in as well no I think that's really beautiful Danny and I love what you're saying about playing to their strengths and really seeing that it's not that one of us is right and the other one's wrong it's that everybody like you're saying our children have chosen to come into our family and to be really trusting again and again that they are receiving something really important from both parents and that yeah it's really powerful when we su- we support our partners to be doing the things that they love to do with our children and that can really support our children like you say often it is the play thing i mean my partner used to do so much like fighting on the bed <laughs> with with both kids and it was just really really beautiful and you know being willing to start to explore and learn about aware parenting and being willing to to trust me and to say yeah okay you know i can see that this is this is really matters to you and you've done a lot of research about it and some of it i agree with some of it i don't agree with but really trusting me and so that can be really helpful too and i just wanted to add a few things around what we were talking about before around making our partners wrong. I think it's really, really important that we try not to get into that blaming of them. And when we're finding ourselves going into blaming them or, you know, criticizing them, can we instead like come back to focusing on like what we're feeling and what we're needing and expressing that to them in that language rather than a, you know, you, you never, or, you know, that kind of thing and and shoulding as well. Again, I love how Marion talks about this sort of the should language and how as soon as we find ourselves shoulding our partners or shoulding ourselves, can we instead be a bit sort of curious as to what might be going on for them and and talk to them about that? And when we're criticizing and using that always never kind of language, it's really unhelpful for, it's going to cause more rupture anyway. So again, can you be going to get listening for yourself so that you can get really clear and then you can come back to having conversations with that person that are based on what you're needing, what you're feeling, what you're understanding about your children and how you want things to be and how you can support them in that. And I think it's yeah really helpful when we come back to using that kind of language, which is about observations and about, I feel this, or I, you know, I see this rather than a, you never. <laughs> so no one's going to respond to that. Yeah. And and there have been plenty of times when I have responded that way to my partner and it hasn't been helpful at all. And sometimes as well, it's around timing. So we might have made a time to have a conscious conversation, but they're, they're just not in the space to be having that conversation then. So often it's helpful to start those conversations by saying things like, is it a good time? I'd really love to have a chat to you now about the kids or about what's going on. Is it a good time now? And if they say no, then that's okay. Let's make another time and really sort of checking in with them that that they're able to listen and willing to listen and willing to have the conversations. Mm, I love all of that. I think it's so important to honour where they're at as well. I love that you brought that in because, yeah, it's okay for the no and it's also okay for us to say no as well. I think honouring each other's no's is so, so, so important. And I just, you know, wanted to just tie in this idea. I mean, often what comes up 
in a lot of posts in the Facebook group and just, you know, in sessions, in conversations, which is very much like the father sort of feels like the aware parenting is sheltering their child and that it's like, you know, protect, we're, we're just overprotective and that we don't want to, you know, and that they sort of, there's a lot of disagreement between the two sides. And I think, you know, just coming back to what we spoke about, that idea of role modeling and just, just, we don't have to have, you know, we can share the evidence, like you said, and talk about what we're doing and why we're doing it and why we think it's important. But we can also just, again, role model and show, you know, as we move through feelings and how they are connected afterwards and how they cooperate and, and then talking about that as well. So that's how these conscious conversations can be utilized in really powerful ways to have these sort of discussions. And equally, you know, if our if we're separated and our partner isn't on board, you know, the ex partner isn't on board with that at all you know again coming back to this idea of of trusting that they're receiving something there and that can be really really tricky but also knowing that when as your children get older they have choice around whether they want to spend time with the other parent and so if it doesn't feel good and they're not receiving what they deeply need there'll be conversations and they'll be able to voice that and that's what we're trying to work to is allowing our children to express what they need to express so I think it's really powerful if we can relax and deeply go into that trust, if we can have these open conversations, because we're also role modeling for our children, you know, what a healthy relationship, whether that's two two people who are not together anymore, whether it's we are living in the same house, whether we're blended families, all these different dynamics that we have, how we navigate that how we navigate anger, how we show up to each other, how we're tender with each other. You know, do they see us connecting and holding and talking and having these beautiful conversations or do they just see us, you know, sleeping in separate rooms and not really connecting? So we're setting, basically setting an imprint for them on what relationships are going to be like. So I think it's a really important aspect to explore together, to really sit together and have these conversations so that you can sort of set some intentions around that as well. Yeah, I loved what you were saying. And I really love what you were saying before as well about having sessions together. And what I notice when I do sessions with both parents is that it's often a really, really amazing opportunity for fathers to get to share for the first time the things that they're worried about in relation to aware parenting and that I can support them or you know if they were having a session with some another aware parenting instructor the instructor could be supporting them to be able to voice all of those and to be really heard in that and often through that process they then let go of those worries and and they realize that actually what they truly believe is something quite different and what they want for their child is something quite different so that can be really powerful and of course there's lots of other beautiful things like family meetings which can be an other really healthy ways to be demonstrating to our children how to have conversations in a respectful and active listening kind of way and i think it's really important what you're saying too about how you know when our children see us in conflict with the other parent of the child which they're going to do time and time again inevitably no matter how we want it to be different to be really taking time to connect with our children and to be saying, doing that kind of rupture repair with them to say, yeah, I'm sorry that mummy and daddy were shouting at each other and this is what was coming up for us and we're going to keep trying to communicate in ways that are, are more gentle and more compassionate and I'm here to listen to any feelings that you might have about it. Or it might be doing some special time with our children where we get the dolls out and they have a little family to play with and they get to choose whatever they want to do so that they get to play through and release and integrate and make sense of what they're witnessing around them. And those can just be some some simple ways to be really ensuring that the impact of the challenges of being in partnership with somebody else is minimized on our children. Yeah, I love all of that. I think it's really such a beautiful offering and just knowing that we can like heal whatever comes up and giving them the space to share it is so powerful. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. So is there anything else that you want to say, Danny, that we haven't covered? I mean, of course, we could talk about this for hours. (laughs) (laughs) We could. We, You and I definitely could. No, I feel like we've touched on all of the main things that we really wanted to speak to and yeah the invitation is I guess just to see like how can I be more compassionate towards my partner and understand where they are and 
look at what's really coming up for me when they act in these ways and can I get some more listening and more support around that because that's really all it is. You know, whenever something's coming up, the invitation, it's like with our children, when they activate us and something, you know, we're feeling big feelings about it, it's not about our children, it's about something that's going on for us. And so this is no different than with our partners. And it can be a, it can be a father wound, something about our own dad, it could be another boyfriend from another, you know, another lifetime ago, like we need to really sit with what is actually happening for us in these moments. I think that's really important and really to reflect and spend some time delving into that so that we can actually show up with deep compassion and love and love them unconditionally because that's what we're asking for. We're, uh, you know, we're trying to love our children unconditionally. We also need to try and move to a place where we can love them unconditionally and not, you know, a lot of what I hear is that we take that anger and resentment and frustration out on our partners and that doesn't feel good to them either. So where can we take that anger and frustration and resentment? How can we move it through our bodies? How can we start to really become conscious of it and go, oh, this is coming up. I can feel I'm getting a bit, you know, activated by what he's saying or what he's doing. Where can I take that in that moment? Do I need to go and jump on a trampoline? You know, it's no different to our kids. Do I need to run my hands under cold water? Do I put on a dance party? I'm like, right, family dance party so like how do we move this so that we can let it move through the body to then spend time unpacking it to then come back and go actually you know I need to you know if we reacted or to say this really activated me today and you know can we have a conversation about it and that is how we build beautiful connected relationships with our partners that's so gorgeous yeah absolutely and I love that you brought in the fact that it often touches parts in us of the way that we've been in relationship with our father perhaps or our brother or other men that we've or boys that we had relationships with that were difficult and and I think there's often like intergenerational stuff there too and and the the wounds of our ancestors often going back quite a long way I mean this is really complex stuff not just at the individual level but also at the family level at the cultural level and so on so yeah there's lots of layers to it and so i think these these conversations and these practices where we're going to get listening for ourselves where we're journaling where we're moving our bodies where we're tending to ourselves this is something that we need to come back to again and again and again and again and to have safe spaces where we can go and really share whatever it is in our heart whatever we're telling us whatever we're making these things mean and to have that heard and met with unconditional love and that just changes everything that changes everything for our children for ourselves uh, and for our partners or co-parents too so yeah that's really beautiful yeah i love that so much just thank you this has been a beautiful conversation yep so I'd love to share as we're coming to the end of this conversation about my new course, which I've been working on all year and it's finally been released and it's so exciting. I've got people signing up already and I know it's a really beautiful offering. And in the course, I'd really dive into all of this in depth. And the course is designed to be done either by yourself or together with your partner or your co-parent or, or to be done by yourself and then gifted to your co-parent. And it really just dives into all of the ways that we can bring the beautiful framework of aware parenting to all of the relationships in our family, to the relationships with our children, to the relationship with ourselves, and to our relationships with our co-parent or, or to our partner and yeah, it dives into all of this. It's even got this beautiful explanation of the entire aware parenting philosophy in this six-minute video. <laughs> so even the most reluctant partner or co-parent might actually be willing to watch that one because people often say that they, they won't read the books and they won't listen to the podcast. And yeah, we dive into all of this. So if you would like to learn more about that, that's on my website, on my the courses page of my website. So, And I'm having a discount, 25% off up till the 10th of December. So if you would like to join, if it's something you would like to do, now's the time to buy it because it's it's got 25% off, which is even more of a bargain. <laughs> Yay, I'm so celebrating you and it's so needed in the world. Just more support. And it's such a beautiful way for, you know, particularly in the beginning when we're trying to like align with our partners and find this common ground. I think doing something like this is just so supportive because they can hear a little bit about what it is and it's an external person. It's not us sort of saying, read the books and come on, I want you to, it's like you can come together and it's also creating that connection time where you get to have these beautiful conversations and, you know, and talk about the content that they're going to be doing with through your course. So I think it's an amazing gift 
could be a beautiful Christmas gift or a beautiful idea of just how to create this conversation. If it's not natural for you and your partner, this could be a really beautiful way to kind of bring it in without it being really threatening. So I love, I love that you've got this offering and I'm just imagining all of the amazing couples that are going to be doing it and being so supported in their aware parenting journey. Oh, thank you so much, Danny. And thanks so much for making time to come and share all your beautiful wisdom. I loved hanging out with you and I really loved meeting your beautiful partner and seeing the the amazing relationship that you two have created and the beautiful connected partnering parenthood journey that you guys have have come to. It's really, really gorgeous and touching and inspiring. So thank you for coming back to share. Thank you, Joss. Thanks for having me. It's been so amazing as always. Thank you for joining me on Aware Parenting Stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. To find out more, please visit my website, www.awareparenting.com.au and follow me on social media at Aware Parenting with Joss. I wish you much connection and love on your parenting adventures. Mm-hmm.